What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff Hillen with Selling Stories, where we discuss the struggles, successes, and life lessons learned through sales and in sales. Have you ever thought about somebody or a time in your life that impacted you? And whether or not that person or that situation that didn't happen, what your life would look like? Well, I've got the perfect guest to tell you a story that I heard firsthand that made me just think back to so many memories. Clint Pulver, a man of I Love It Here author and the undercover millennial and so much more. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome, Jeff. Thanks for having me on the show, man. Yeah, and I, I wasn't kidding. I saw Clint a few months back at an event, and he was by far the most entertaining and engaging speaker I've ever witnessed my entire life. I still proved myself that I wasn't a good drummer. I got a pair of drumsticks here that he gave out to everybody. Thank you for those. My kids got a pair as well. Could you let people know the situation that impacted your life and, and what brought you to here? Yeah, in school, I was a kid that always just had a hard time sitting still. And I just had a hard time focusing, but also just had a ton of energy. If you're sitting in a classroom or in a meeting and someone's constantly moving or clicking a pen or tapping your foot, it, it can get annoying over time. And I was teased a lot. I got nicknamed the twitcher, the tapper, just because I couldn't sit still. And everybody in my life saw that limitation or that annoyance as a problem, right? They saw the issue, except for one person, and his name was Mr. Jensen. He was my fifth grade teacher. And I remember as I was tapping in his class, he just looked at me and said, Clint, listen, I need you to stop. I need you to hold still. And I also need to see you after class. We're going to have a conversation. And I remember thinking in my mind, like, this is it for me. Like, I'm getting kicked out of school as a 10-year-old. I was already on the list. I was already in trouble so many times. And the bell rang, everybody left. It was a completely empty room, minus me and Mr. Jensen. And he pulled me to the back of the class. He sat me down and he said, listen, Clint, I, I need you to know you're not in trouble. I, I just, I have to ask you something. He said, have you ever thought about playing the drums? And I was hmm. like, no, like, what do you mean? He's like, I just, I, I look at you and I, I watch what you do. I watch how you work on an assignment and you'll start writing with your left hand and then you tap with your right hand and then you'll write with your left hand and you tap with your right hand. You just go back and forth. He said, you have this independence. You do it a lot. You tap, you tap in my class and you tap in everybody else's. He said, but I, I, I don't think you're a problem. I just think you're a drummer. <laughs> And then he opened up his top drawer in his desk and he reached inside and he took out my very first pair of drumsticks and changed my life, changed my life in a moment that allowed me to see further than I ever could have on my own and helped me to lean into something, helped me to see again my potential and worth to the point that I saw it within myself. And in doing so with a pair of drumsticks, my life was forever changed. You say that, I want to ask you, have you thought about that moment in reverse as if if that moment didn't take place? And maybe he thought to bring it up to you, but maybe he was busy that day and he got distracted from bringing you up. Have you thought what your life might look like if he never had that conversation with you? Yeah, I think it would be very different. I believe in moments. If you look at your life and really what makes it a great story, it's the moments. We don't really remember days in our lives. We remember the moments and that one single moment one single moment in time that truly changed my life. And I, I have, I thought, man, what if that just would have never have taken place? Or how many other people in my life that have seen or decided to see problems when they could have seen opportunities? People sure. that chose to see the inability instead of seeing the opportunity. And I'm really grateful for that one moment. When I saw you speak, 
one of the things that stood out was you handed a, a pair of drum sets to everybody in the audience. I won't give everything away because I don't want to take away from your future engagements, but what you learned, you've now applied to your life. When you're coming up with information that you're giving to people, how do you relay that person like yourself in that classroom that needed a, a set of drumsticks, basically? How do you use your experience to help other people learn? I think so much of how someone would live their life is based off of their perception, right? Perception determines your reality and whatever's real to you is affecting your behavior. And so how do you see things? Because every day you're faced with the opportunity, whether it's with your spouse, your partner, your kids, your children, your job, your coworkers. Every day you have the opportunity to do two things. You can either see what is right or you can choose to see what is wrong. Mm-hmm. And the hope in, in that is, is my story helps people to understand that it might be better to choose to see what is right. Because when you choose to see what's yeah. right, that creates opportunity, that creates hope, that creates optimism, that creates possibility versus the latter, which usually creates contention, confusion, pessimism. I look at the most influential people in my life and most of them were optimists. Nobody wants to follow a pessimist. Yeah. I, I wanted to follow people that decided to see what was right. And I think if we have a world in that, and a lot of what I speak to is the workplace specifically in creating a place where we have bosses, managers, and, and the executive C-suite of an organization striving to see what's right in their people and accentuating the positive and the good, it changes everything. It's a massive influence in the perspective that the employees carry, which alters their reality effects when they go home, if they're a, a good father or a better mother, or they go home and I think a great workplace creates better families, it creates better relationships. So it's a very important thing that needs to be heard and talked about and implemented more. One of the things that I've heard from Rory Vaden, and I think of you specifically when I heard it was, find your uniqueness and do it in the service of others or exploit it in the service of others. And I really feel as if you found your uniqueness and your ability to connect with people and do it for a mass audience. Your presentation was so phenomenal. The entire experience of it was just so great. Do you reflect on your presentations when you do them and think to yourself, how did I impact those people? What could I do better? Because you are very unique. You are up there as a musician, as an entertainer, as a comedian, as a great motivational speaker, you're tying that all together. And it is such a package deal. How do you benchmark yourself? And is that something that you can relate to other people when they're trying to compare themselves to other people that are sales professionals or other people that do something else for a living? Yeah, I look at my role as a professional speaker, and I oftentimes relate it to the game of golf. You'll never master it, but it's so fun to try. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I've ever really had a keynote where I walk off stage and I'm like, that was perfect. That was absolutely flawless in every single way. I mean, to where my hands were, to how my voice inflections were, to the content that I delivered, the, the points that I hit, I never had the perfect keynote. And I think that's what makes it fun is I strive for that. I really, really try. Every every keynote for me is the Super Bowl. I don't care if there's 20,000 people in that room or 500 people in that room. It's all the same for me. A lot of what you saw, for example, Jeff, is is the culmination of thousands and thousands of reps, thousands yeah. and thousands of speaking engagements and many failures and what worked and what didn't work. But I think... The, the thing for me that, that's helped the most is after I get on and I perform and it wasn't that perfect keynote, I make note of what wasn't perfect. 
of what wasn't right. And then next time it's focusing on those things to become better. And over time, little by little, those efforts become a lot. I think any sort of change, whether it's in cells or it's in performance or it's in storytelling and reading stories to your kids at night, we get better at doing small things consistently over a long period of time. Yeah. How do you get really good at doing small things consistently over a long period of time? That's how we create change and ultimately rewrite a better story. I love that so much. And it's tough as I'm listening to you speak because I'm taking it all in, but I'm also here on the other end of this thing, communicating to you. But one of the areas in sales that I think many people struggle with is not letting the outside source of who they're pitching to or presenting to or selling to dictate the energy and passion in which they present it. And what you said is so critical. If you're really focusing on loving what you do and you enjoy it to the nth degree, you are going to give it everything you have, no matter who the audience is or no matter the situation. So I resonate that with you and your ability to speak, but also the ability for people to really live what they love and bring the energy that it deserves if they really enjoy what they do. So I think that speaks to a lot of people. I think one thing that's really helped me to Jeff in my performance as a professional speaker and how it would relate to also salesmanship and good selling is every time I walk up on that stage, one thing that I remind myself before I go up is every single person in that audience is asking the question of me as a speaker. They're asking this question. Let me know when it gets to the part about me. Let me know when your jokes, let me know when this drum story, let me know when your content gets to the part about me. And if I can consistently do that in everything that I do on that, that, that stage, everything I do in my presentation, it engages people. It captivates them. I get to the part about them where they go, he's speaking to me. I mean, I am in. In selling, it's the same thing. Every person that you sell to, every sales conversation, how do you get to the part about the individual that you're selling to? How do you make it about them? How do you ultimately, just like how I talk about in the content with retention, the goal is to become the mentor in the story. The ultimate salesman, I believe, is not a salesman. They are a mentor because mentorship has to be chosen. How do you become the individual that people, when they work with you, when they choose to look at the interest or the possibility of making a sale with you, how do you become the person where they go, I like myself best because I'm with you? That's great. Make your sales soar. What does that mean to you as it relates to to sales? Is it just that mentorship relationship? Is it connecting with people, creating significance? What, What about that topic is what you would say soaring. Yeah, I think again, it's really how do you become the individual, the product, the brand where people choose you because that brand gets to the part about them. Yeah. And ultimately, how do I become the mentor? I look at some of the greatest sales professionals that I have ever met in my life. And I worked in sales for many, many, many years. And I've learned this, no significant selling will ever happen without significant connection. And when we found sales professionals that became the mentor, right, in the story, they became the individual that people said, okay, I'm going to buy from you. I'm choosing to follow you. I'm choosing to invest in you. I trust you. It's because those sales professionals possess the five C's of mentorship. If you remember, Jeff, I talked about that. And I think it translates directly to sales, whether it's leadership, sales, hospitality, customer service, you name it, even fatherhood, motherhood, parenting relationship building, these five C's. And really, it comes down to this. Number one is confidence. 
confidence? Are you confident in your salesmanship? Are you confident in your communication? Are you confident in your product? Confidence exudes trust. The second phase of this, I would say, is credibility. It's, a, it's the second C in this equation. What's your background? What's your history? How long have you been a salesperson for? How long have you been in the company? Uh, have you done this before? Uh, you, you, what gives you the right to speak to this, to sell this, to know this, to understand this in a way that makes me want to trust you? Competence is the third C. Are, are you able to not just talk about the product, but help them to visualize how it's useful? Can you be a practitioner in the process and not just a theorist? Meaning, I just mm-hmm. want to sell and I'm out. Versus, I'm here to walk the journey with you. From start to finish and everything in between. Competence is key. Candor. Man, I believe great sales professionals have the ability to create relationships so strong that honesty can exist. And, and mm-hmm. that exudes trust again. That again creates buy-in. When I know you're not just trying to make the sell, but you're truly trying to be honest. You're going you're gonna to tell it to me straight. You're going to tell me this is the greatest thing in the world, but you're also going to tell me here's a few things that you're maybe not considering or thinking about. Or are you yeah. in the right position and the time in your life to buy this product? Like, I'm going to be real with you because I value you. And that's why the fifth C is so important. And it's the ability to care. To just truly give a darn about the individual that you're trying to sell to. So those five C's, confidence, credibility, competence, candor, and the ability to care. You want to make yourself sore, you become that type of an individual for the customer, the client, and you become the individual that they choose and they continue to buy from again and again and again. That's so good. When I got into my sales career, it was probably not because of a mentor, unfortunately. It was just maybe some intuition. But one of the things I always worked on was being on the same side of the table as the person that I was working with as a partnership. And I always felt as if we were working on the same side of the table instead of opposite sides of the table, it made it a partnership. It didn't make it a win-lose. It felt like it was, we're doing this together. We're making the decision together. You just happen to be working with me in this scenario for whatever that product or service I'm providing. While you were speaking, Clint, there's that level of confidence and competence. You may exude but you still are having to talk to some organizations that have to believe in you. So you have to be a salesperson for yourself. You're in the business of you're selling yourself. You're selling all the things you just talked about. Have you ever gotten to a situation or was there ever a situation where you're like, man, I can't believe I'm talking to this company or this situation. And did you ever have any imposter syndrome or self-doubt, even though you knew you could do it? And people have asked many times, Clint, do you get nervous every time before you speak? And my answer to that is, yeah. I think the moment I don't get nervous is the moment that I, 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 I failed. Nervousness means that you care. Yeah. It shows that you really care. And one of the examples I could relate to recently is I was asked and invited to go into NASA and present my research to NASA. And that's a big deal. Uh, NASA doesn't really bring in outside people to train and to speak. They use a lot of internal people and to be a civilian outsider coming into NASA and speaking to, in my opinion, some of the most brilliant minds in the world. People that have done incredible things literally are in history books forever. I mean, it's it's a big deal. And, and I went through a massive amount of imposter syndrome. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what is, what is little Clint 
Pulver from Heber City, Utah, have to say that's really going to move the, the needle forward in this organization. Um, but I, I think it, it was through that, that, that maybe that fear or that uncertainty that allowed me to dominate that stage, to go in there with confidence. Yeah. One thing I've always remembered, and the same thing applies to selling, is, is prepare until you're excited. I prepared for that, that. until I was excited and there was all the fear. There was all the uncertainty, but I prepped and I prepped and I prepped and I mm. prepped some more to the point where I said, I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm still nervous, but I was excited. Preparation truly does precede power in my line of work and in significant selling. I have on my tagline on LinkedIn, relentless preparation, because I, I totally agree. If you walk through rep after rep after rep, practice after practice after practice. If you walk through it as if, man, I'm just ready to tear this thing off. You still might get a little nervous, but it's that there's a difference between that excited nervousness or that energy that you feel because you're so ready for it. You just want it to come. And man, that is awesome. Don't discredit yourself. Clearly they knew what they're getting into. So now you're going to send it to new heights. I just want to know, are there new planets that are going to be discovered after you gave them the research or? Hey, Mars, man, they're headed to Mars. It is. <laughs> It is a really, really fun time in the world of space exploration and they're launching Artemis 2 and we're going back to the moon and yeah, it was a, a very special thing. I'll, I'll never forget that event. It, it probably was the top of the top for me. That's incredible. One, one other area sales professionals can relate based off of what you do is referrals and recommendations because yeah. you're able to go in front of a ton of people and right away, just like myself, I was immediately impacted by everything that you spoke about, your energy, your performance. And so do you have to do much marketing or have you gotten to the point now where your referrals come in because of all the stuff you've done in the past, which allow you to get it moving forward? Yeah, we don't do any outbound marketing anymore. So it is completely word of mouth and people that heard me on stage, we call them stage side leads in my industry. Stage yeah. side lead. When somebody walks up to you after the keynote and they go, that was amazing. I have an event or I have a conference or I have a business and we need you to come and speak. We've got a conference happening October 24th. Are you available? And I think that's the true mark again of you did your job, right? It's not about how many people come up and say, that was so good. And that was so it's, it's when people hand you a business card and, and say, we're willing to invest in what you have to do because we see the value, the ROI of what you do and how you do it is is irreplaceable. We cannot not do that. Did you have instant success or did you have to get to the point where you're at now because you failed a bunch of times? Because in sales, the hardest things to achieve are usually the, the most effort or the, just the hardest to attain. And your best clients are, are not just going to come with you easily. If they do, most likely they're going to leave you easily. So to get to where you're at as keynote speaker and everything you've done in your life, did you ever question whether this was meant for you or did you ever have failures that you had to overcome? Yeah. I mean, even just my journey getting into professional speaking was not something that just happened overnight. I actually wanted to be a pilot. I was a fixed wing pilot and wanted to fly helicopters. And then I had an eye disease that hmm. ended that whole career. And even in my flying there was so much failure. I remember I failed my flight examination, the final flight examination to get my private pilot's license. I failed. And it was because I failed the simulated engine out. I couldn't make it back to the airport. I decided I made a, a poor decision to land 
in a field that ultimately would have killed us. And you know, <laughs> well, I can see maybe why they couldn't give you a passing score, Clint. To be honest with you, I probably had a failure too. Yeah, he was like, "You failed," and I, I remember I got <laughs> on the plane, and my parents were there on the ramp, and they were holding these big signs that said "World's Newest Pilot." You know, oh my gosh! And like, I had tears in my eyes, and I mean, it was just a dream that I had always wanted. In that moment, I failed, right? And I think it, through failure. In sales, those fails, they can either make you bitter or they can make you better. And I decided to hit the books and go up and fly again and again and again. And me and my flight instructor, we went through everything in and out that you could know about simulated engine outs. And I prepared until I was excited. And then eventually I went up with that flight examiner. He pulled my engine. I knew exactly what to do. And I passed. But here's the cool part about all of that, Jeff. I got my wings, came a pilot, and two weeks after that, I was up with my best friend, and we were flying around when all of a sudden our engine stopped. And oh this was God. not simulated. This was not a drill. This was the real deal. The prop had completely come still. And I remember in that moment, which could be extremely stressful, Every pilot knows that when you take off from the ground, you have two options. You're either going to live or you're going to crash. You're making that decision every time you take off. And I remember because of the preparation and truly because of the failure, I knew exactly what to do. I was so calm. I went right into all of the prep, all of the procedures, all of the muscle memory And we declared mayday. I turned the plane back around. I knew that we had enough speed and altitude that we could get back and we could land safely at the runway. And we did. And we lived to see another day. But I I truly believe that I am alive today because of failure. And you do. You fail your way to success. I don't know any person in any career or any aspect of their life that has reached a level of success without failure. It's a part of the formula. So embrace it and let it make you better instead of bitter. Now, I have to ask you, though, what was your friend saying as that went? Because it's different. You had training, so you have your friend up in the plane. What what was that? He was, I mean, part of the procedure, too, is calming your passenger down. Letting them know, listen, I need you to be quiet. I need to talk on the air, on the radio. I know exactly what we're going to do. I just need you to hold still, make sure your seatbelt's tight, and we're going to be okay. But I mean, when we both landed, we looked at each other, we took a big, deep breath and, uh, yeah, lesson, lesson learned. I'm grateful for that failure because man, it it helped me to succeed that day. You mentioned confidence earlier. And I think even in the craziest situation I've ever heard, we just relate to as far as failing and then succeeding and obviously failing, making a big difference for why you had so much emphasis on succeeding and what you had to learn through it. But as a sales professional too, Sometimes you have to exuberate that confidence in yourself when there's a situation at hand and there's people that aren't maybe in the deal or know the customer or know the prospect. And you have to be willing to let people know what you believe is the right answer to get to the finish line. And if you're really good and you have that confidence, if you've done it before, if you've done your research, if you know the decision makers, if you know the whole situation going on and there's other inside people telling you, hey, do this, do that. If you're the person that's not driving the bus, in this case, flying the plane, you have to be the one willing to take charge and and know that. And in your case, you weren't going to look at your friend and say, hey, do you want to grab and, and fly the plane? You knew you were the only person to fly the plane. I think it's important for people to realize too, when you have 
somebody that's in that situation, like you mentioned before, you want somebody with the confidence that knows when things don't go right, they're going to work with the best. And that's really critical for them to make that decision. And you don't have to be one to tell them. They have to know it by how you prove yourself and how you come across. That's right. And again, it comes down to mentorship and relevancy. I want a mentor from someone who's experienced this failure, who's gone through it before, who can, again, help me to avoid the things that maybe I'm not seeing. Yeah. Uh, and that is only learned and achieved through failure. What advice would you have some give to somebody that is either getting into sales, they've never done it, or somebody that's struggling in sales? You can pick either or. The one thing I would recommend always is to stay in rookie mode, rookie mode, rookie mode. Always be learning, always be teachable. There's something about being a rookie that people look at that are beyond you or further than you or just down the path more than you that they look back and they go, I remember what it was like to be a rookie. And the moment you come in and you don't stay in rookie mode and you act like you know it all, you become now the expert. I think it's the moment that you do yourself a disservice. Even for me, someone who's been doing this for years and would be maybe considered as an expert in my field, in what I do, I still stay in rookie mode. I'm yeah. still always learning. I still approach my colleagues like a rookie. It gives you the opportunity to expedite your success rate. It de-risks your failure rate. And it opens up the ability for mentorship in your life. And great mentors are always being mentored. So the yeah. young sales professional that's coming in, you're staying in rookie mode, I would ask you, who's your coach? Who's your mentor? Who are the people in your life that are doing this career in a way that you want to do it. They're living and breathing it in the way that you go, man, yeah, that's that's it. You should yeah. do whatever it takes to associate with them. And in doing well, so, again, it, success breeds success. Likes breed likes. And over time, as you stay in rookie mode, you become something that's notable. I love that. Your humility is incredible because you are an expert. By no means are you anything less, but your humility and your humbleness and the way you come across is just so likable. You have that confidence, but that humility comes across so well and so genuine. That's why watching you in a speaking event is just so incredible because everything that you do and you say is relatable. Like you said, it's, in, it's for the person sitting there. I believe it. I really think you impact every single person there by the message that you deliver. And even sitting here now for 30 minutes, it's just incredible how well you're a storyteller. You're definitely a storyteller. So having you on Selling Stories was an absolute must. I appreciate you doing it. I didn't want to leave without having you be able to tell people where they can find out more about you because there's a lot more to Clint than what he's been able to say today. Well, first off, thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Thank you for those compliments and your kindness and your advocacy and support. And you're definitely stepping into your genius on the show and everything that you're trying to do and provide for others, which thank I you. think is incredible. And, and truly, that's the reason why I said yes to coming on your show. So it's been an honor and I appreciate it. Oh my gosh. It. Glad um, I have that on recording. I can watch it every night. <laughs> awesome. I love it. People can find me at clintpulver.com, my website, and then all the social media channels. My book, it's titled, I Love It Here. Uh, it's available anywhere books are sold. And again, just thank you. And I appreciate it. And it's truly been an honor. Yeah, everybody, if you don't go grab Clint's book, if you aren't willing to take any research, you're not my friend. Clint is the real deal. Like I said, I got to see him live. It was unbelievable. This experience has been unbelievable being on the one-on-one -on -one session. So, so again, Clint, thank you for taking the time and the ability for you to bring it to me, to the show. It's just fantastic. So thank you so much. 
This is Jeff Allen with Clint Pulver from Selling Stories, everybody. Make it a great day.